All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop bowl presentation Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning in. It is February 12th, 2020. I'm your host, Alan Srokey, and this is the Box Score Breakdown, a hoopball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee is the title sponsor of this podcast and all podcasts on Hoopball. They, you can check them out on their website, Hawaiian Isles. You could book them up on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, and you could always find them on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. Hawaiian Isles, get yourself a cup today. It is a busy Wednesday night, of course, per usual. I believe we had 11 games tip off tonight. Um, I'm going to be riding solo on this one, like I did last week, as I mentioned. Our uh, regular co-host, Kurt Beach, is going to be away from the program for a little bit. He should be back 
sometime in March. And yeah, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's funny. I learned a pretty valuable lesson about doing this sort of thing last week because, you know, I've done a solo podcast before when I was doing the Thursday night shows. They, uh, you know, those, those nights usually only give you four games. Last week gave me 10. So that was a lot to take on. Not to mention, we had a whole bunch of trade deadline nonsense going on. And yeah, they teach you in radio, in, in podcasting, I suppose, really anything that's just purely audio, to uh, avoid dead, dead air at all costs. Dead air being just no long pauses or silences. Apparently, it's not good for the listening experience. Makes the, the, the listener feel like something's wrong. Maybe like there's a buffer. Perhaps they hit the pause button by accident. Maybe I got disconnected. Who knows? I did radio in college, and they, they really hammered that home that like you could never, ever, ever do dead air. Maybe that was more of a radio thing than on podcasting. I took that lesson to heart, especially last week. And, you know, I think I was a little excited, had a lot to talk about, had a lot I wanted to get to. And I started a pretty fast pace for myself in the, in the early goings. I was talking very, very fast. And <laughs> that mix of the, the fast speak and the lack of pauses started killing me towards the end. Uh, you could go back and listen if you want. Those last three or four games that I went over, you could hear a noticeable difference in my voice. I sounded strained. <laughs> I I just, yeah, I, I just could not keep up with the pace that I set for myself. So for this week, I am going to try and practice a slower but still, you know, effective pace. You know, I don't want to be too plodding here. Uh, I'm going to try and dial my pace back. Maybe a little less Washington Wizardsy and uh, <laughs> a little more, I don't know, who's a slow-paced team in the NBA? Charlotte? Let's just, let's just say Charlotte. They probably have a garbage pace. Somewhere in between there. Let's go for, let's go for a Denver Nuggets-like pace. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to try and be a little slower, practice that dead air a little bit more. Not a terrible idea to throw this uh, on maybe 1.25 speed. Not just because, you know, I'm anticipating this to be a super long show, but you know how this goes. So many games to cover and a lot of post-trade deadline stuff that we need to talk about. Maybe help you guys get through all of this because I feel like I got a lot to talk about. So without further ado, let's get into the proceedings here. We're going to start with the first game of the night that that really bummed me out, uh, personally speaking. It was the Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland taking this game 127 to 105. They have a two. They lead the season series between the Hawks and the Cavs two nothing, which is disgusting <laughs> from the perspective of this Hawks fan over here. Uh, we'll start with the Hawks side of things. Trey Young. Uh, we'll start with the positives. He he was fine. 27 points, 12 assists, two steals, two three pointers on eight of 17 shooting, four turnovers. John Collins. Had 23 points with four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block shot. Um, Kevin Herter was fine. 11 points. Well, he's okay. 11 points on four of 12 shooting. Two assists, a rebound, a steal, and four turnovers. These three guys are still the primary offensive creators, at least until Clint Capella gets into the fold. Um, the rookies, uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, have definitely been coming on recently. Cam Reddish uh, returning in this game after an absence with a concussion. Uh, we'll get to him in a second here. 
but they they have cut into those two have cut into Kevin Herter's production a little bit. He's been floating out around the top 110 to 120 in nine category leagues over his last month, which is kind of which is definitely more close to the kind of fantasy player he is than that one top 60 ish pace that he was going on about a month ago. So I think he's still a hold in standard leagues because he, he does have the ability to get you some threes and a little bit, a little trickle of rebounds and assists. The playmaking duties have definitely taken a slight step back with the arrival of Jeff Teague in particular. Um, But he's not terrible. He's not totally off the fantasy radar. And I do think that there is some upside for him there. Maybe not. To, maybe to get himself closer to the fringy top 100 level, jump up a couple of rounds if he can figure out his efficiency because his shot's been a little whack lately. Um, but yeah, that, that's the Kevin Herter situation there. Cam Reddish is the guy. Uh, well, actually, hold on one second. We should also talk about Dwayne Dedman, who moved into the starting lineup but was plagued with foul trouble for the majority of the game. I think he played like seven minutes in the first half or something like that. <laughs> Incredibly, though. In 18 minutes, he still did the things that you you put him on your team for. Three steals and three blocks in a three-pointer. That's seven cash counters. Seven points, four rebounds, and an assist in 18 minutes. And all account, by all accounts, a really good line considering the playing time. Um, he's going to be starting until Clint Capella is able to get into the starting lineup. That could be a while. I think that the Hawks have a lot of incentive to keep Capella out. Until the the heel issue in the plantar fasciis, I don't know. I don't even know why I bothered saying what that injury is because I knew I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. But he has that going on too. Uh, he just look, the Hawks aren't going anywhere. They have long accepted that this is a year that's lost and is going to be building this team back up. They're going to try and finish strong, but they're not going for the playoffs. And Clint Capella is a guy that's. They're, he's a centerpiece now. He's part of their future. They're not going to play him in meaningless games. The The word is that they're good. he's going to try and play after the All-Star break, but the, the key word there is try. There's no definitive timetable on him. They're optimistic that it's going to be soon, but let's we're not sure about that yet. There is a reason that they went ahead and traded for Dwayne Dedman. Okay? Like, they didn't... I mean, obviously, the, they, they, they like him as a culture guy. He, he's... Very, very well liked in the locker room, and he is a really good backup center. Always has been. Fits the team identity a lot better than Alex Lynn did. But he's here for a reason. He's going to be starting as long as Capella's out. I'm of the opinion that Capella could be out a little longer than just past the All-Star break. And this is a roundabout way of saying that Deadman is a guy that I would own on my fantasy team for the streaming purposes and perhaps a little beyond. The other guy I want to talk about is Cam Reddish, who in this game had 16 points on 4 of 11 shooting, two three-pointers, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Uh, Reddish, like I mentioned, he he came back from a prolonged absence with that concussion that he suffered about a week ago. And he he got back to doing what he had been doing over his last 10 games, which I have those numbers for you right here. Over his last 10 games before going down with the injury, Cam Reddish was posting top 90 value in nine category leagues. 29 minutes a game, about 14 points, two and a half threes, four rebounds, an assist and a half, a steal and a half, on 43% shooting from the field and 86% shooting from the line. That's 
that's been that's basically what he did tonight. He's really turned a corner in terms of his shot, which 43% is nothing great, but it's a hell of a lot better than the 33% that he was shooting to start the year. He's uh he's turned a quarter quarter of sorts and, and he is taking away from Kevin Herter. So he's a guy that teams in need of threes and steals in particular. I'd say deep league teams. I think that he's definitely worth a flyer. I don't think he needs 30 minutes a game to be productive. If he's hitting shots like this, uh, the defensive stuff has been here and there, but he looks a lot better and more active in that department. I mean, he's been this team's best defender probably all season, but in terms of statistical production, he's definitely been deflecting more shot, uh, more passes and helping you out in that facet of the box score. And that's, that's going to help float his value. As long as he's not murdering your field goal percentage, he could be a somewhat useful fantasy guy in deep leagues. And that's about it for Atlanta. I'm kind of disgusted <laughs> with the fact that they got obliterated by Cleveland tonight. And it kind of makes sense with Deadman in foul trouble. This team had no bigs to go to. Yeah. <laughs> you have the gigantic gargantuan lineup of Cleveland taking full advantage of that. The Cavs out-rebounded the, uh, the Hawks 55-38 to tonight. Destroyed them on the offensive glass, too. 38 offensive rebounds. Courtesy of new Cavalier Andre Drummond, who had 10 offensive boards, 15 total. He had 14 points, 15 rebounds, two block shots, and assists on 6 of 10 shooting in only 22 minutes. This was, uh, for the most part, a blowout. From the get, well, not really a blowout from the get go, but this game was well in hand right from the start. Atlanta was never in it at any point, so Drummond didn't need to play a whole to- uh, a whole bunch. Kevin Love was out uh, uh, with an Achilles, some Achilles soreness, I believe. Unclear what the long term diagnosis or prognosis is with that one. We'll have to wait for more updates, but that meant that Larry Nance Jr. got a lot of playing time. You know, the big thing we've been watching with Cleveland is what kind of role, if any, that Larry Nance would have in terms of fantasy. This is a four-big team with Drummond, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, and Tristan Thompson. All four of those guys are expected to play somewhere at least 20 minutes a night. And that's not great for Larry Nance and his fantasy outlook. Tonight, he reminded you why we were all so excited about him uh, pre-trade deadline because of the you know potential that he would have been opening in Cleveland to get to a high 30-minute role. He played 35 minutes in tonight's ballgame, 23 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, three steals, and two block shots, and two three-pointers. Yeah, one of the, be- one of the better nine-cat not- lines on the night. Really, really, really good stuff out of him. He should definitely be held on to. Even We need to see what he looks like with Kevin Love in the fold, because we only got like one game, and it was really not uh, encouraging. I think he saw 20 minutes and split that time uh, with 20 minutes with Tristan Thompson off the bench when Love was playing as well. By all accounts, it, he's not going to be a, a roster-worthy player once Love is back, but we need to see the extent of this Love injury, and we really need to feel this whole situation out in its entirety when Love can play before we can make any definitive moves there. Speaking of guys who went off, Tristan Thompson in 26 minutes scored 27 points 11, grabbed 11 rebounds and was three for three from three point range. I think he hit two in a row in the first quarter alone. An assist and a steal. He was just going nuts and the crowd was loving it. So um, he just played 
a lot. Probably part of the reason why Drummond only stopped 22 minutes in this game. I turned it off, by the way. I was so I just I didn't see the end of it, so I don't know exactly how it went. I was watching this game and I, I did not want to finish it. He's still a drop. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a drop. He's, I'm sorry, he's a drop. I'm not even if Love is out for an extended period of time. I don't foresee there being a lot of situations where. Tristan Thompson's going to have fantasy value. He was already pretty fringy when there was a three big setup in Cleveland, and there's absolutely no way that he survives a four big setup. And yeah, uh, that's that's sort of that. The guy I want to talk about with Cleveland is Kevin Porter Jr., who a lot of people have been on about for the last couple of weeks or so. He's been doing a lot in the scoring department, averaging 16 points per game over his last seven. He's been all of which have been double-digit scoring efforts. He's definitely talented. You can definitely say that about him. But I think that people are getting a little too ahead of themselves with projecting his fantasy value because this is a guy who offers nothing in the defensive stat department, like like less than nothing. On the seventh game stretch, he's averaging close to a steal a game, and that's about it. No block shots. He doesn't do it much in the rebounding department. His free throws are pretty shaky, and his turnovers are really, really bad. He was good tonight. Before I get too ahead of myself, he scored 16, he scored 18 points on seven of 11 shooting, four rebounds, three assists in a steal, no turnovers in two, three pointers. But with all the scoring that he's doing, he's still just been outside the top 180 in nine category leagues and outside the top 140 in eight category leagues. So it's not just the turnovers that that's killing him. It's the lack of other things beyond the scoring. Now I can't, I will give him credit that, this stretch has been rather impressive because he's been doing this on 51% shooting. He, and on the season, he's averaging 45% shooting, which is, for a rookie shooting guard, that's pretty impressive. But it also tells me that the scoring run is also pretty unsustainable. You're not going to see a rookie just hit a, a perimeter player like Kevin Porter Jr. hit 50% of his shots every night. If that starts dipping, the scoring starts dipping, and then he really doesn't have any fantasy value. He's only on radars right now because he's scoring so efficiently. So I'm not there yet. He's a guy that I think you can leave on the wire in definitely in standard settings. You can consider him in deep leagues if you're in need of the scoring, especially if he's hitting at a nice percentage right now. But he's, you know, the turnovers need to be dealt with, which he did tonight. But in general, he hasn't. And yeah, he's tough to rely on in that respect. Too much time on that game. Let's, let's pick up the pace. Next game on the docket, Detroit in Orlando. The Magic won this one in overtime, 116-112. to 112. They have tied the season series with the Pistons, 1-1. One one. We'll start with Christian Wood, who is the obvious winner from the trade deadline. 26 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, and two block shots on 9-14 of 14 shooting with a three-pointer. You don't need me to dive deep into this one. This guy is going to go off for the rest of the season. Simple as that. Thon Maker is a guy that uh, we've all been interested in because he, I don't think we all saw that he was expected him to jump to the starting lineup, which he has. He played 27 minutes in this game, 18 points, two rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block shot, and two three-pointers. The, the rebounds were particularly low, which makes sense because Orlando's, Orlando's got a pretty beefy front line. Uh, Thon has always been a rather underwhelming rebounder for his size. I think he... On per, uh, per 36, he's only averaging like seven rebounds a game, which is really not a lot, which is not a lot at all for, what is he, like 7-2? It's pretty nuts. Uh, but 
he has been fantasy relevant. He's been a fringy top 100 guy over the last four games since the trade deadline. And he's doing it with a mix of three-pointers and block shots. He's averaging about three per game between those two. Block and a half and a three and a half. That's, that's pretty good stuff. The field goal percent is also pretty high, like it was in this game. And that, that, that's all going to hold. I don't see him helping your team, though, outside those categories. Those categories are very useful, especially the threes on high field goal percentage. That in and of itself is a pretty tough uh, statistical combination to come by. The block shots on top of that is even better, but he just doesn't do a whole lot else. The points will come and go. The rebounds will come and go. Neither will be that consistent. And he's not going to be the world's best free throw shooter. He will rarely, if ever, give you anything in the assist department. He won't steal a whole bunch. So he is valuable, though. Fringy top 100 asset. Maybe get himself into the top 90 if he keeps this sort of 27-minute role that he's playing with. So he's definitely on my radar. A solid standard league ad if you're in need of threes and blocks. Rich Jackson's another guy worth talking about. 36 minutes, 5 of 16 shooting, 12 points, 11 assists, 3 rebounds, and 4 turnovers. Here's two stats I want you to know about Reg Jackson. All right, this is over his last nine games. He's averaging 16 points per game. Pretty good, right? But he's doing that on 16 shots. It's taking him 16 shots to get to 16 points. He's hitting 37% of his field goals. He's not taking a ton of free throws, only two per game. Because he's only getting to the line once every game, every game over this last nine. Another stat I want you to know is that he's averaging a combined 0.4 defensive stats. 0.3 steals, 0.1 blocks. He is a horrendous fantasy asset. I can't emphasize it enough. He is the prime example of a guy that people are intoxicated with because he puts together nice-looking scoring lines with high assist numbers. Terrible fantasy guy outside the top 200 over that nine game span that I just referenced in nine category leagues outside the top 180 in eight category leagues. He, he was, he's the shooting's not going to get any better because he's the main guy <laughs> offensively outside Christian Wood. He's only going to be encouraged to, 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 to chuck shots. The assists tonight are nice, but typically for a starting point guard, he does not look to get his guys involved. He likes to get his shot first. He, I cannot. He's a points league player. If you you can definitely consider him if you're in a points league format. But if you're in a category setting, I cannot emphasize enough to stay away from this guy. I don't care how badly you need the scoring. It, the, the trade-offs are just not worth it. I hate his fantasy game. Derrick Rose returned to um, uh, to in this ball game, and this is his first game with the Pistons. Post-trade deadline, he was pretty rusty, as uh, assumed. 1 of 13, shooting from the field. 2 points, 4 assists, stealing a block in 17 minutes. He was already a standard league type of player, and I, I do think that he's still going to hold on to that. I like him a lot more than Reggie Jackson. He'll be able to score for you and do it efficiently while also helping you out from the line. And he'll also be able to get a trickle of assists here and there, too. He's the guy that I'm most interested in of the point guard situation. It's really him and Christian Wood and a little bit of Thon Maker for Detroit for me. Those are the three guys that I want from a fantasy perspective. The other guy would have been Bruce Brown, but much less so considering all these guards are back in the fold. He played 20, He started again at shooting guard, 26 minutes in this game, only two points, two assists, and 10 rebounds. The 10 rebounds is 
really more indicative of just like his athleticism and his energy out there. He's a, he's a big hustle stat kind of guy, nice steal rate, good rebounding from a guard position and can get involved in the passing game. But with Reggie Jackson and Derek Rose in the fold, he's just going to have like no fantasy value. And uh, Markeith Morris, I guess, is worth talking about. 14 points in 21 minutes, 5 of 7 shooting, 4 three-pointers, 8 rebounds, an assist, and a block shot. I see him as a threat to Thonmaker, but we've yet to really see that actualize. Um, I think Dwayne Casey is giving Thon a lot of opportunity here, and he hasn't been terrible in it. And I, I think that his upside's enough to hold, fend off Markeith and keep him in a, a bench role. I think that they like the rapport that Markeith and Rose have with each other, too. So that does help Thon. I'm keeping an eye on Markeith, though, to see if his minutes start trending up. That's definitely going to come at the expense of uh, of Maker. McCurr? There's, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not pronouncing that right. And, yeah, that's really about it here. Svi Mikhailuk got back into action as well after missing a few games. Uh, I'm not sure with what injury. I, I think I missed that one in my notes. Uh, 18 minutes, though. Eight points. Three rebounds and a steal and one three-pointer. Uh, he has very limited appeal as a three-point specialist in my mind. And if anything's just going to take minutes from Bruce Brown. So there you go. That's their Detroit Pistons breakdown. Let's go over to the Magic side of things, for which all account they are a pretty boring fantasy team. 25 points out of Eric, uh, Aaron, sorry, Aaron Gordon, who led the scoring charge for Orlando. Pretty good game for him. Almost a triple-double. 25 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, a steal and a block shot, and three three-pointers. That is... On 8 of 15 shooting, that is not the norm for him. He's a pretty rough percentages guy, mostly just points and rebounds. Nikola Vucevic had a pretty good game himself, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, a block shot, and a 3-pointer on 9 of 21 shooting. Markel Fultz uh, played pretty big as well, 22 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, and a 3-pointer on 8 of 14 shooting. And Evan Fournier... Uh, was pretty uh, was his usual self on offense, 19 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, and four three-pointers. This is a pretty straightforward fantasy team. Nikola Vucevic is obviously an early-round type of player. Evan Fournier has been a late, a mid-to-late-round player on the season. Markel Fultz, while I can appreciate the type of season he has, he's had, he is not on the fantasy radar. And Aaron Gordon is not a good fantasy player in pretty much any format. So there's that breakdown for them. That's pretty straightforward. Toronto and Brooklyn's our next game here. The Brooklyn Nets win 101 to the Raptors 91. They avoided being swept on the season. The Raptors finish three games to one against the Nets. We'll start on the Toronto side of things. Um, Fred Van Vliet led the, sorry, Serge Ibaka led the scoring charge like he has done pretty often without Marc Gasol in the lineup. 28 points on 10 of 17 shooting, five three-pointers. Nine rebounds, a steal, and two block shots. I mentioned the five three-pointers, right? I'll just emphasize it again if I already had. He's been tremendous. We've seen this all year whenever Gasol sits or is out with injury more so. It's really tough because when Gasol plays, uh, Serge has been more on the peripheries of standard league value, barely floating around as a, as a, as a, as a top 100 asset. So... I, I, mean, it's, I think people are kind of caught on to that by at this point. I was going to say that this is a sell-high opportunity, if, of course, because this is exactly the same situation 
the last time that Marcus Saul was out with a hamstring injury. The chances are, if you're in a competitive setting, people are already on for that. They're not going to trust Serge Ibaka's ability to be. They just know that he's not going to be this type of player once Gasol comes back. And though there aren't any real reports out there about the hamstring injury, you figured that his chances of coming back post All-Star break with a week, uh, another week behind him are, are more likely. So this is the time that you want to try and sell before that news comes down. Toronto has been pretty, pretty bad <laughs> at reporting their injuries, their timetables on the year. I don't think they've given a consistent timetable on a single player at any point. And they've had a lot of injuries. Fred Van Vliet, 22 points, two rebounds, assist, a steal, four three-pointers, and eight of 19 shooting. Kyle Lowry with the triple-double, 12 points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds, a steal, and three three-pointers. Pascal Siakam was fine, 16 points on six of 17 shooting, eight rebounds, four assists, and a steal, and a three-pointer. And then OG Ananobi, who had a really nice ball game or two heading into this one, was having people thinking that he was worth putting back onto teams, but he reminded you again that he is... Got absolutely no usage right now. Four points, two of five shooting from the field, three rebounds, a steal, and a block shot. He is just really tough to own, almost impossible to own in head-to-head settings. Just unfortunate because I've liked his game a lot this season. But, yeah, that's really all there is to it. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, uh, I think or Ibaka missed his last game with an illness, so Hollis-Jefferson got the small ball uh, center minutes, uh, but he fell back down to his... Pretty limited role here in only 16 minutes, four points, two rebounds, three assists, and a block shot. And that's really all there is to add on the Raptor side of things. For the Brooklyn side, uh, Karis Levert led the scoring charge, 20 points on 10 of 20 shooting with five, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, and a block shot with five turnovers. He, is, For good reason, people have been pretty down on him in category leagues, but you have to give him credit that he has really stepped up in Kyrie Irving's absence, he's looking a lot healthier these days. He's still not my favorite fantasy guy, but he, as long as Irving is out, he's doing enough to at least consider putting him on your team. It helps that he didn't take any free throws tonight, too, because he almost always misses a couple. Spencer Dinwoody added 17 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds on 5 of 13 shooting with two three-pointers and 5 of 7 shooting from the line. Jarrett Allen only saw 20 minutes. His minutes have been very low recently. Um, a mix of DeAndre Jordan outplaying him. And really, I mean, this is, it's been mostly that. In 20 minutes, he, he still played really well. 10 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block shot on 3 of 6 shooting, 4 of 5 from the line. Uh, Jordan, like I mentioned, he played 23 minutes, 7 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a block shot on 3 of 6 shooting himself. Uh Usually it's just these two holding all the center minutes, but in the final five minutes, uh, Brooklyn went small with, I think, Wilson Chandler or, I guess, Torian Prince, one of those two, playing the five for that last five-minute stretch there. But, yeah, on the whole, Jordan has been winning the minute shares over Jared Allen recently, which has capped Allen's uh, upside, but we've seen this all year from him. He's still a standard league player in that amount of time. You just wish that it was more. The real guy that I'm interested in talking about in Brooklyn's side, I think, is Torian Prince who I've talked about a lot on this podcast and a lot on Twitter. Um, Prince in this game, 29 minutes, two of 10 shooting from the floor, one of seven from three-point range. He finished with eight points, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. The thing I've always talked about with Prince on this podcast is how important uh, having Kyrie Irving on this team is to his fantasy value, particularly his efficiency. He has been really bad 
without Kyrie Irving in the lineup. He has been outside the top 230 in nine category leagues in his last five games, and he's shooting 36% on 12 shots per game. That's a huge reason why the assists and defensive stats have been down as well. He, you know, my little, my, my, my little side project is I, I've been just tracking this guy's field goal percentage when, Kerr, when Irving's in the lineup and when he's out of the lineup, and the returns are just always the same. When Irving is there, Torian has a better field goal percentage. And when he has a better field goal percentage, he becomes a standard league player. Not, not a huge one, like a top 90 guy, but still, that's enough. Generally, his counting stats stay the same, regardless of whether or not Irving is in or out of the lineup. But when Irving's out, his, his volume goes up and his percentages go way down. The, he, uh, call it a confidence thing with defenses more focused on him as opposed maybe he's a guy who just likes the pressure off of him. I don't know what it is, but exactly, other than it's, just, it's clear. When Irving is there, Prince is a much better fantasy player. So he's going to start hitting the wire in a few leagues, I imagine. I've already gotten a lot of questions on Twitter about whether or not he should be dropped, so I know that there's at least some of you listening out there that are considering it. I wouldn't blame you, but when Irving comes back into the fold, he is a guy that I would definitely consider picking back up. That's the Brooklyn side of things. We're going to move right along to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in the Indiana Pacers after I take this sip of water. Pace. <laughs> Milwaukee lost this one. 111, a rare loss for Milwaukee. 111 to 118. Uh, the Pacers got their first win of the season series. Milwaukee leads a 2-1, which should not be surprising. Um this is only Milwaukee's eighth loss of the season. No Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, out for the birth of his child. And even when he sits, Milwaukee's still a really good ball club. So this is just a good win for Indiana, even without Antetokounmpo uh, out there. Uh, so, you know, a lot of usage to go around without Antetokounmpo. So there's not a whole lot to look into from a fantasy perspective here. I'll go over the box score, though. Uh, Eric Bledsoe uh, had 15 points in this game, 4 of 11 shooting. Six rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Five turnovers, no three-pointers. Perfect seven of seven from the line, though. Uh, Chris Middleton uh, led the scoring charge of the starters. 17 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal, four turnovers, and three three-pointers on six of 17 shooting. He has been an early-round guy, and that's going to continue. Ursan Ilyasova got the start without Antetokounmpo and scored 12 points, three rebounds, and an assist. I believe, he only played 19 minutes. I believe he was benched to start the second half for Pat Connaughton, who uh, finished this game with 30 minutes played, but only added six points, four rebounds, two assists, and two three-pointers. The guy that, uh, uh, in uh, Brooke Lopez, before we move away from the starters, uh, 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, three steals, four blocks, and a three-pointer. Big cash-counting night for Brooke Lopez, but it obviously wasn't enough. Dante DiVincenzo was the guy who led the scoring charge for this team. 19 points in 30 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field, three three-pointers, eight rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. He has been a top 80 player for the last two months. Two months in fantasy leagues. He's just not going anywhere. He's only owned in 16% of Yahoo leagues, and uh, that's frankly unacceptable, guys. Go fix that. He's a great source of steals. A decent source of rebounds for the sort of smallish 
forward that he is. Uh, good percentages, or good enough. He's just good. He's top 80 player in the last two months. There's no reason to suspect that that'll change. The points aren't going to be there, so maybe I think that has a lot to do with it, of why he's not very highly owned. But everything else is there. Not a big turnover guy either, so definitely more of a nine-cat darling in my, in my mind. He's still somewhat useful in eight-category leagues, probably somewhere in the top 100. I don't have that exact figure. The top 80 is top 80. That's a dude that should be owned. Indiana side of things, this one's uh, – their stuff's a little more interesting uh, as they work Victor Oladipo back into things. I believe this is their first win since Oladipo came back. I think that they were on a six-game losing streak or something like that. Oladipo, to his credit, he did not take 15 shots in this one and obliterate your field goal percentage. He was, he was decent. 13 points on 5 of 7 shooting, a three-pointer, three rebounds, and four assists with three turnovers. I think that both Oladipo and the Pacers want him to be that guy. He's their number one option. He's their leader. They want him to take all those shots. Uh, but it was clear that that was not leading to wins. Um, I, I think that the game plan got switched up a little bit, and they relied on some of their sort of the guy they want to get Oladipo back up to speed, obviously, but I think it's better that he takes less shots at this point and have the ball spread around to these other guys in Indiana. Cause you know, they, they were, they're a six game losing streaks. Not all that great when you're in a playoff chase. <laughs> great analysis. I know the guy who led the scoring charge in this one is TJ Warren, 35 points on 16 of 19 shooting with a three pointer. Seven rebounds, an assist, and four steals. He's perfectly back up to speed uh, after being out with that concussion. He's probably going to remain a pretty good scorer, even with Oladipo ramping back up, because they they come about their buckets in different ways. DeMontis Sabonis was in a little bit of foul trouble, but he still had a decent line. Decent enough, I guess. 15 points on four, 15 shooting. He did miss three free throws, missed his three three-pointer attempts as well. So he finishes with 15, 8, 4, and no defensive stats. So I retract that. This was a very, uh, very okay line to sort of bad for Sabonis. But he's fine. He's totally fine. You're not worried there. Miles Turner had a pretty a game that we have not seen a lot from him this year. 14 points and 10 rebounds, the rebounds in particular. Uh, I, I guess because of the foul trouble, he was able to get under the glass a lot more frequently. He finishes on uh, 6 of 13 shooting with two three-pointers, an assist, a steal, and two block shots. A very welcome sight for Turner owners. Malcolm Brogdon, 17 points, 13 assists, five rebounds on 6 of 13 shooting with a three-pointer. He's been slumping pretty hard recently, so this is also a welcome sign of things. And uh, the big note here is Jeremy Lamb, who uh, I, I, he's definitely been getting cut in a lot of formats because of the struggles since Oladipo's returned. He's seen his shot attempts take a dip in a pretty significant way. But I think, like I've maintained when every time we talk about him, every time he's brought up, I think that the role, his move to the bench is going to be good for him in the long run. And this was a really nice ball game from him. Uh, five of 10 shooting from the field, 13 points, six rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block, and two three-pointers. That's pretty much what I'm going to be expecting from him in this bench role. He doesn't, he's not going to be taking a ton of shots, but he's going to be taking shots against be, uh, worse defenders, weaker opponents. That's the key for him. In, in a situation where he's going to be losing his starting gig, he does have something to gain in the fact that he is the best offensive player coming off the bench for Indiana. There is value in being the sixth man. 
um, you know, when TJ Warren was out, it was a little, it got a little confusing for a while because Justin Holiday had a much bigger role. He was seeing a lot more minutes, a small forward, and he's still seeing a decent chunk of minutes at 25, like he saw in this game. But he only, he didn't do much. One of three shooting, six points, a rebound, two assists, and two steals. That's probably going to be closer to the norm for him. If you own him anyway, you're in it for the defensive stats, and they at least got you the two steals. But I think the bench move is going to be good for Jeremy Lamb. He's a guy that has a history of posting top 90-ish value in non-category leagues. And I think that he can do that with the 26 minutes like he saw tonight. So he's a guy that I'm going to try and hold on to and snag in some spots where he's getting dropped. Uh, I think there's enough there, enough meat on that bone. Next game on the docket. Washington in New York. The Wizards in Madison Square Garden taking this one 114-96. to They lead the season series 2-1. to uh, Where do we start here? Well, let's start with Bradley Beal, who led the team with scoring at 30 points on 11 of 23 shooting. Two rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block shot, and two three-pointers. He's still playing in I'm pissed off that I was snubbed mode, which is a pretty good mode for uh, Beal and the Wizards. <laughs> um, chances, uh, I have to imagine that there's going to be some sort of injury that pops up in the next day or so, right? Like, he's he's definitely going to make the team if that were to happen. We already saw something like that happen in the Western Conference, which I'll get to a little later tonight in case you hadn't heard that news. But he's definitely playing uh, like a man who's upset that he was snubbed. Davis Bertans did play pretty well off the bench, 16 points, four of nine shooting, two three-pointers, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a blocked shot. He's been trending a little down recently, but for the most part, you'll take a, lot, uh, a line like that. Jan Mahimi continues to start and saw 30 minutes with nine points, 10 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a blocked shot. I think a lot of people were expecting that he was going to be a buyout candidate, but with the news of Thomas Bryant's foot uh, popping, cropping up, I think that might have incentivized Washington to just hold on to him because they don't have a ton of options outside him and Mo Wagner. So that kind of sucks, but whatever. Uh, it's fine. You're not really touching him in standard leagues. Rui Hachimura uh, continues to get himself back up to speed, but he was pretty eh in this game. Eight points on three of seven shooting. Five rebounds, assists, and no defensive stats. The guys that have uh, – I guess before I get to the, these other guys real quick, um, Mo Wagner got ejected uh, early on in the fourth quarter here, so he only finished with 17 minutes. Uh, two of five shooting, six points, four boards, a steal, and a block shot. It wasn't going to be like the lines that we had seen from him in the previous game where he ramped himself all the way up to 26 minutes, but you figure he probably would have broke 20 maybe get to like 22 or something had he not gotten ejected. He, I, I didn't see what happened, but I don't think it was like a fight or anything. I think he just got two technical fouls throughout the course of the game, and he got tossed. Still a guy that I'm interested in as long as Bryant is out. He, uh, he's a guy who was uh, in November, his first 20 games of the season, he was about a top 100 player in just 20 minutes a game. So you can tell that there's a lot of production to be had there if he gets anything over that which is quite possible. The two guys, though, that we're focused on is the point guard situation here, Ish Smith and Shabazz Napier. Napier was a guy that I was very uh, interested in uh, post-trade deadline because I like his fantasy game. I like how he plays in an up-tempo offense like the one that Washington runs. Um, good source of points, threes, dimes. 
but he's been sort of capped at 19 minutes through his first four games. He's, to be a little more specific, he's been averaging 10 points, 1.8 three-pointers, 2.5 rebounds, 3.8 assists in a steal on 44% shooting and 90% shooting from the line. Also 2.3 turnovers per game. That's actually pretty good stuff for that amount of time. 19 minutes in that sort of production is that generally that would get you to standard league value, but the 2.3 turnovers he's averaging is kind of keeping him down closer to the um, outside the top 150, which is where he currently sits during that stretch. But I think that's to be expected. He's running point in a high tempo offense with a team he's never played for before. So yeah, he's going to turn the ball over pretty frequently while he's learning the ropes here the reason he's capped at 19 minutes i still like his long-term outlook but it's going to take a little time i think before he can supplant ish smith in the starting lineup ish for his part has been averaging 28 minutes a game since the deadline as the starting point guard tonight by the way he scored eight points on four of nine shooting with four rebounds three assists steal and a block shot shabazz napier i don't think i mentioned his line from tonight in 19 minutes he scored five points on two of three shooting three rebounds four assists and a steal But back to the general conversation about these two point guards, Ish Smith has had some value in the assist department, averaging close to six a game over his last four. But he's not doing a lot to make me feel confident in his long-term outlook. He's averaging a block and a steal per game. The block is definitely an anomaly. I know he got another one tonight, but that's just not going to hold up. He hasn't attempted any free throws, and that's generally a negative for him. He's a sub 70% shooter, I believe, on the season, which is pretty bad for a point guard. He's just, and he doesn't take a whole lot of threes. If he, he doesn't, he certainly doesn't make a lot of them. So he is the starting point guard out of necessity. It just makes the most sense. He knows the system, and he isn't a bad distributor. His playmaking ability is definitely keeping him in that high minute role. But by all accounts, Shabazz Napier definitely has the more friendly game. I'm still pretty high on him. He's not a guy that I, you know, he's probably not worth starting in Roto Leagues until we see the minutes start trending up because he's pretty much capped at 19 to 20. But once they do, I think he's going to take off. Everything I'm seeing so far indicates to me that he's a really good fit for this team, statistically speaking. And he could be a guy that'd be very helpful for the fantasy playoffs down the stretch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in him. Still. Let's move on to New York. And uh, there's not going to be a whole lot to say here, so this will be nice and quick. Julius Randle led the scoring charge at 21 points, 9 of 18 shooting, one three-pointer, 13 rebounds, an assist, no steals, and a block shot. Alfred Payton continues to play really, really well. 19 points on 6 of 10 shooting with a three-pointer. Four rebounds, eight assists, and five steals. He missed his three free throws in this one. That's really his biggest negative, aside uh, as well as the lack of three-pointers. But very similar to Lonzo Ball, kind of like a cheaper Lonzo Ball. The counting stuff for him has been pretty ridiculous over his last month or so. So he's definitely a guy that's worth holding on to in standard settings. R.J. Barrett is sort of getting himself back up to speed, if you could call it that. He's taking his shots again, 5 of 16 shooting from the field, 16 points, 5 rebounds, no assists, no defensive stats, 2 turnovers, no thank you. In any format, even points leagues, you could do better. 
Reggie Bullock continues to start at small forward. He saw 24 minutes in this game, took 12 shots, but only made two. Five points, two rebounds, a steal, and a three-pointer. Um, he's probably going to continue to start because of the floor spacing. Um, you, you, the, the, the Knicks are definitely evolved. They want to continue to play uh, the style that they've been playing all year. Marcus Morris was hitting two and a half threes per game. So there's a role for Reggie Bullock there, but not a fantasy useful one. The interesting note here is Mo Harkless, who made his Knicks debut tonight. Uh, he wasn't able to get onto the floor for his first few games with New York due to illness and jet lag, I guess. And I think that was that was the official report on that one. He played 25 minutes, shot two of seven from the floor, four points, five rebounds, two assists in a steal. It's tough for, to imagine that he gets higher than these minutes out uh, moving forward. Although, I mean, it's somewhat encouraging that he played 25 right out the gate. But this is kind of close to the minutes that he was seeing in, in, in Clipperland. I think he was averaging about 22 per game before he got to New York. So, yeah, there's just there's not a lot to be excited about there. He's not. I don't think he's going to crack the starting lineup because of the floor spacing issues. It, it bothers me to no end that Kevin Knox is getting no play at all. I can't emphasize it enough. He's just he's too young to be getting doghoused like this, you know. For a team going nowhere, I, I don't, I'm not going to beat this dead horse. I hate the Knicks. <laughs> I hate them so much. Mitchell Robinson only played 18 minutes off the bench, 5 of 6 shooting, 11 points, 8 rebounds, uh, an assist, and a block shot. He refuses to let this team ruin his fantasy value. He's still a standard league guy, top 50 player. And I, I hope that something changes soon. Not all the coaching staff for New York. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson has his issues with the fouls. But come on, man. Reggie Bullock. Kevin Knox can at least give you the impression that he can try and space the floor. I know that he can score. Just throw him out there already. This is by no means making me making a fantasy appeal either. I Just, just let the young guys play. Kevin Knox is not going to be a fantasy player, even if he starts. But just let him play. It's just gross. Move on to the next game here. Trailblazers and Memphis Grizzlies. Um, this is actually the, well, Grizzlies won this one, 111 to 104. This is actually the first meeting between these teams, which is uh, kind of rare for an intra-conference matchup. We're in the middle of February, and they had yet to play each other. Uh, but Memphis now leads the season series 1-0. Starting the Blazers side of things, and the obvious news that we have to start off with the top here is that Damian Lillard left this game towards the end of the fourth quarter with a strained groin. He's set for an MRI tomorrow, and he's already basically ruled himself out for the All-Star game. So, I mean, look, the All-Star game is this weekend, so obviously it's enough to where Lillard felt that he was going to miss a few games anyhow. Certainly it's serious enough to where he doesn't feel comfortable playing in an exhibition game, which is totally understandable. He's been having his best season ever, and there's no reason to derail that by playing hurt. We'll await the news on that uh, see how long this timetable could be. He's essentially got a full week of recovery time, so that's decent. If he sits and misses time, Anthony Simons is likely going to step into the starting lineup. He's going to get a lot more shot attempts. CJ McCollum is going to be playing a lot more point guard, and he's going to be doing a lot more distributing. And Gary Trent Jr., who we all just saw going a pretty uh, a pretty nice hot stretch without Simons, who was out for a couple of games with a concussion, 
Uh, he could step into some fringy fantasy value as well, though I'm not as confident in him just because he, the fantasy value that he saw was coming off of really crazy, unsustainable shooting from the field. But he will be the only guy offensively coming off the bench for the Blazers. So there will be a role for him there without Lillard. Really, shot attempts are going to be going around everywhere. Carmelo is going to see a lot more. Trevor Ariza is going to see a lot more. But if you're looking for an ad, it's probably Simons. Maybe Trent. Most likely not either. Because they don't really have that. They don't really have a fantasy-friendly game. Anyway, let's get into the stats here. We'll start with Lillard, who did play 37 minutes. 20 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, a steal, and 2 three-pointers on 7 of 19 shooting. TJ McCollum on 25 shots, only scored 23 points, 9 of 25 from the floor, 3 three-pointers, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. Hassan Whiteside actually got himself ejected at the, in the last seconds of this game because he's an idiot. 16 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. Um, I mean, the ejection's not enough to get him suspended, but, I mean, why? <laughs> why are you getting, He got up in some dude's face towards the end of the game. I think it was JV's. Because, I don't know, there was some contact on a putback attempt. You were losing the game, man. I don't, I don't Just shut up. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony was horrible from the field. 1 of 15 shooting. He scored 5 points but did grab 15 rebounds. Uh, had a steal and a block shot. Trevor Ariza was fine. 4 to 11 shooting. 12 points. 6 rebounds and assist and 2 steals and a block shot. And I, I think I said 2 three-pointers. I feel like I've been forgetting uh, the three-pointers in these analysis, so... Please let me know. Please let me know on Twitter if that's been the case in my breakdown. Um, but yeah, Ariza has been uh, fine uh, on the whole since joining the Blazers. He's he trades off really good games with pretty eh games, and on the whole, in a roto setting, that would probably get you some decent value. But in head to head, you probably are sick of the headache at this point if you own him. For the Grizzlies side of things, and this one's much more interesting. Um, we've been, we're watching a couple of guys here, but I'll get to them, uh, towards the end of this setup here. We'll start with, uh, Brandon Clark, who led the scoring charge off the bench, 12 of 14 shooting from the floor, 27 points, six rebounds, one assist, two steals and a block shot. He's trucking along as a late to mid round option. John Morant had 20 points on 23 shots. Five rebounds, nine assists, and a steal. He's still coming on. He's working through the rookie the rookie wall, but uh, the runaway rookie of the year guy continues to just run away with it. I know Zion, Zion, but come on. It's going to be Ja. Jonas Valanciunas was great. 12 points on 5-11 shooting, 18 rebounds, two assists, and three block shots. And Jaron Jackson Jr. fought through foul trouble, eight points, one of six shooting, one three-pointer. Five rebounds, a steal, three blocks, and an assist. The two guys that uh, we need to talk about here are DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. We'll start with Anderson, who has been in the starting lineup following the trade, uh, the Jay Crowder trade. <clears throat> Excuse me. He played 26 minutes in this game with six points, nine rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block on three of four shooting from the field. In Since the trade deadline, he's been uh, very fringy. Uh, ranked 116 in nine category leagues, but he's playing 28 minutes a night, uh, averaging nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, 0.7 steals, and 0.3 blocks on very high field goal percentage, 65%, and uh, uh, perfect from the free throw line, but he's like he's not even taking one a game, so that doesn't really matter. 
He um, slow mo has generally been. I've, I've actually liked his fantasy game over the years, and there's definitely stretches last season where he was pretty useful. He was getting a little more, getting a little more involved in the playmaking side of things. He hasn't been doing all that much this season. I think that John Morant has commanded the ball in his hands a little bit more, and Kyle Anderson's mostly been operating as just kind of a low post. Like he's just doing a lot of his dirty work inside, at, which is why he, his field goal percentage is so high and why he's averaging so many rebounds. He's just playing very close to the rim. And there is value in that. The rebounds are nice. He's got, I know he's got some positional versatility, at least on Yahoo. I think he plays three different positions, which is nice. But he won't give you any threes. And the defensive stats are sort of not there. He's generally a better steals guy than he has been in these last handful of starts. Um but they haven't really been there for him. All this is to say, I, I, you know, he surrounded. I'm sorry. He's definitely on my radar. He's on my watch lists, but he's not doing enough yet to warrant ownership and standard settings. Uh, I'd like to see the assists sort of come up a little bit more, see if he can get involved in the playmaking, which doesn't, I'm not super confident in at this point, but there is some value here. If not just very little. He's just not worth the ad yet, but the opportunity is there for him in droves. I don't see him getting anything less than 26 minutes a night. So keep your eye out on him. If you need the rebounds on decent field goal percentage shooting, that's not typically the stuff that he's really good at getting you at, but he's doing it right now. So there's use for that on your team. The guy I'm mostly interested in is uh, DeAnthony Melton, though, who has not really been the same since he suffered a hand injury before the trade deadline. Um, he was on a nice run where he was seeing close to 25 minutes a night and he was collecting defensive stats and rebounds and assists and all this really juicy stuff that you love, but he's been really bad since the trade, uh, since the trade deadline, he's seen a lot of minutes, which is really good. And he's seen a lot of shots, which is good, but it's been off for him. That changed a little bit tonight though, four or seven shooting from the field in 26 minutes, 12 points, four rebounds, four assists with a three pointer, no defensive stats and three turnovers. There's still some rust there, but I, I'm still holding on to him. I'm still recommending that everyone be aware of him because we've seen the, his body of work on the season has indicated that he has some top 80 to top 70 potential in a, a mid 20 minute role that he's pretty much locked into the rest of the way. I think the all-star break will be really good for him to sort of work out the kinks with his hand. The, the team wants him to shoot. They clearly desire him to be involved in their offense. The defensive stats will come back for him. He's has one of the, the best steal rates in the entire NBA. I am more confident in that than anything else about his game. He should be owned. He's going to be really good down the stretch. I can really, I really believe that. And it's not, I guess that's not much of a conversation to be had on that one, but I, I do believe that he should be on your radar. He should be on your team if you can afford to sit on him. Because once he starts going off, it's going to be too late to get him. All right, we got five more games to get through here. I think we're making better time than we did last week. So good on me. Could give myself a nice little pat on the back. If you want to give me a nice little pat on the back, go follow me on Twitter, at Alan Srochi, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. Shameless plug. There's no one here to stop me, though. <laughs> it's, the, it's the perks of doing a podcast solo. <laughs> plug myself in. 
talk about the Atlanta Hawks for way longer than anyone wants to listen to. Next game on the docket, the Charlotte Hornets in the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think, well, no, there's, there was two uh, out-of-conference games tonight. This is one of them. Um, Charlotte wins this one, 115-108. to 108. They split the season series 1-1. Uh, this game missed a lot of uh, critical players. We'll start with the, sh- the sh- yeah. we'll start with the Hornets side of things, who uh, missed Terry Rozier and Tyler Cody Zeller. Not Tyler Cody Zeller. Uh, Cody Zeller. I don't believe they ever disclosed why he missed this game. Terry Rozier was sort of a close to game time scratch because of a left knee issue. So we'll wait to hear more word on that one. But without Rozier, there was a lot more shots to go around. We'll start with Devontae Graham, who led the charge with 28 points. 9 of 20 shooting, 5 of 11 from the three-point line, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, no defensive stats, and 4 turnovers. He continues to do a lot of things really well as a top 75 type of player, one of the best assists and three-point guys in the NBA. Bismack Biombo got the start in place of Cody Zeller, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block shot on 6 of 8 shooting. This is one of the better lines you will see from Biombo, and I'm not interested. I'm not buying. <laughs> I just... I'm not. <laughs> I'm not into it. Um, what else is worth talking about? Miles Bridges continues to have a late-season turnaround here. 20 points on 6 of 16 shooting, three three-pointers, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block shot. The de- in three- yeah, I mentioned the three three-pointers. Come on. The defensive stat turnaround is the biggest thing that I'm excited for for him because that was sort of what floated his value towards the end of last season. They've been mostly absent for him on the year. The offense is also nice, too, but you really want him because of the 1-1-1 one, one, one potential. The guy that's definitely worth taking a moment on here is Malik Monk, who's been on a bit of a tear over his last uh, – let's, let's, let's just look at what he's done in February. I believe he's played six games in February, and he's been 104 and 9-cat during that stretch. 29 minutes per game. These are his averages. Well, let, let, sorry. Before I get into his averages for the month, Tonight, he scored 25 points on 10 of 20 shooting, three three-pointers, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and two block shots. A very full nine-cat line for him. Three, three turnovers. Uh, he had three turnovers as well. Uh, I believe this was a season high in shot attempts for him, so obviously he is a big beneficiary of Terry Rozier's absence. But let's take a look at what he's done over the last month, because he's been playing well before this game. 29 minutes per game over uh, through February so far, 17 points Per game, two threes, four rebounds, two assists, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks on 48% shooting from the field on 13 attempts and 85% from the line on two attempts. That's really that's really good for him. He's been a rather inconsistent sort of uh, gunner type of player uh, through his career so far. This is probably the best stretch that he's had as a professional. And I, I've been sort of because I, I feel like I know what his game is. It's similar to Kevin Porter Jr., honestly, in that he's just a very stre- he's a streaky shooter who does not provide a lot more outside of scoring and three-pointers. So obviously you want to ride him when he's hot, but you want to know if there's any sort of rest-of-season potential here. And I, I don't have a great answer on that one. <laughs> it's probably not why you're listening to me. You want me to have some definitive spot stances here, but I don't know. Um... It's it's definitely interesting to see what he's doing right now. It sucks that this is sort of coming with a week-long layoff now heading into the All-Star break. 
you, you don't, with a guy like him, a, a streaky shooter, you don't want him to have a moment to cool off. And that's absolutely what this deadline, this uh, week long period is set to give him. Um, but they, the Hornets don't have any reason to not keep feeding him shots. He's not going to hit 48% of his looks. That's for, uh, that's for sure. So you can expect the field goal percent and the points to come down, which could put him from like a top 100 guy to a top 120 guy. But that's still a lot better than like the what outside of top 190 or 200 that he was playing at before this. So I'm okay with taking a flyer on him, but I'm not super confident that this is something that's going to last for the rest of the season. I think there are better options floating out there, particularly in nine category settings. In fact, we have a lot to get to for the Timberwolf side of things. And we're going to have to take, we're going to have to take some time on this one. Cause there's a lot of guys worth talking about. Cause and there's and a lot of news to dissect here. Timberwolves in this game, uh, uh, previous around the same time that Rozier got scratched, Carl Anthony towns was ruled out with a wrist injury that was disclosed in some MRI that was give that was performed earlier today. This is an injury that apparently he had suffered sometime in January that I guess was mostly undisclosed until this moment. And I, I'm not sure what the next step is here. I don't know this. We don't know the severity of the injury. We just know that it exists. That an MRI confirmed that it exists. I don't know what it is, but this could keep him out for some time in, or maybe it couldn't. It, it, again, it's unclear. We have not gotten any confirmation here, but this creates, <laughs> we already had a ton of questions about what was going on in Minnesota in their new look team from a fantasy perspective and this <laughs> this jumbles things up tremendously let's start with the lines d'angelo russell um no you know let's start with malik beasley who led the scoring charge 28 points on 11 of 25 shooting five three-pointers six rebounds three assists and no defensive stats he he's been tremendous in his first three games of course though that, that they've also come with D'Angelo Russell missing one game and now Carl Anthony Towns missing one game. For all intents and purposes, Malik Beasley is the third option offensively on this team. But in two of his first three games, he's been the second option to first option offensively, debatably. And he's been really, really good. He's averaged 22 points through his first three games, 4.73 pointers, 6.7 rebounds, three assists on 42% shooting from the floor and 80% from the line. Well, Circle back to him when I get through the rest of these lines here. Juan Herman, Juancho Hernan Gomez played 38 minutes starting as the power forward slash center. 16 points, 12 rebounds, a steal and a block and a three-pointer. All accounts a really good line out of him. James Johnson. Sorry, excuse me. James Johnson got the fill-in start. He, he jumped into the starting lineup in place of Carl Anthony Towns. You could argue that he was the small ball center in this one. He scored five points on two of eight shooting, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, and three blocks. He was this close to putting up a five-by-five five jumping into the starting lineup. Also added a three-pointer. Very, very appealing stat line out of him. Very reminiscent of what he was a couple of seasons ago in Miami. Again, we will circle back to him as well. I need to touch on two more guys. Josh Okoge in 30 minutes scored uh, nine points on four of 10 shooting from the floor, six rebounds, four assists, and two steals. And then Nas Reed, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, and I've definitely mentioned him on Twitter as a guy that I am super interested in. 
He played 22 minutes, 12, had scored 12 points, had six rebounds, and it had a steal and a block shot. He's essentially the only center on this roster now without Carl Anthony Towns and with Amari Spellman be, with, uh, figures to being bought out. Okay. So a lot of questions that need to be answered. First, Malik Beasley should be owned in standard leagues, right? I think we all knew that already. I think for the most part, he is. Uh, last I checked, he's 48% owned in Yahoo leagues. That should come up, especially after a game like tonight. Regardless of whether uh, or how long Carl Anthony Towns is out, he's going to see enough shots to do what he does best, which is they're going to want him to shoot a lot of threes. They'll have him split some playmaking duties with uh, D'Angelo Russell, who is not a pure point guard by trait. Not like Malik Beasley is either, but he's talented enough to do stuff with the ball in his hands. So he's going to get some opportunities to get some assists here and there. He's athletic. He's all over the floor. He, I think that he wants to play. He, he's clearly bringing a lot of energy here. He's excited to be in a situation where he can really show his stuff. There's going to be – I'm not going to say that he's like – I don't want to blow expectations out of the water here. I think that he's going to be like a top 80 guy. I think that's fair valuation for him. But if Towns misses a lot of time, that that could be totally off. I mean, who he could be he could lead the team lead he could lead the team in scoring. Frankly, uh, he definitely has the 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 want to do so. So easy easy guy right there. He should be owned everywhere. Juancho Herman Hernan Gomez has been starting ever since he was traded here to Minnesota. He's averaging in his time in Minnesota. I have the numbers here. He's been averaging 30 minutes a game, 15 points, six rebounds, two three-pointers, uh, an assist, 1.3 assists, 0.7 steals, and 0.3 blocks on 42% shooting in 60, uh, from the field and 69% from the line. He's been eh, just pretty meh. He, he's getting a lot of playing time, and he's scoring and rebounding and hitting threes. That's what Minnesota wants from him, right? But – you know, the, the defensive stuff has never been a huge part of Wancho's game, and it doesn't look like that's going to be really getting into play here. I mean, he did he played really well tonight, but he's not going to be able to get these cash counters like this on most situations. There's a role for him with this type of stat line, but th this is not standard league stuff for the most part. There's not enough meat on the bone. This is sort of closer to, I'd say, top 150 range than I would say is close to top 110 to 100 stuff. It's early, but by all accounts, it's going to be tough for me to see where he goes from here because he's, uh, he's never been a huge percentage guy, which is if he's, just scoring, if he's just scoring points and hitting threes and grabbing rebounds for you, you need him to be good in at least one of those two percentages and I don't think he's going to be good in either of them for you. So that's the real limiting factor here for, for Wancho. James Johnson, now, he had some interest before Carl Anthony Towns went out with this wrist injury because uh, he was seeing, I think, close to 25 minutes off the bench. And we know, we know his history. We know his stat set capabilities. He's been pretty, you know out of shape and malcontent over the last, uh, over the last season in the half or so, but he's got a real chance now to make a dent. And tonight showed you exactly what he's capable of. You don't need him to score points to be an effective fantasy guy. This is pretty crazy stuff from him. And of course it came against a bad Charlotte Hornets team. So I'm going to 
temper my expectations a little bit here, but I'm absolutely intrigued in his ability to give you these cash counters with the steals and the blocks and the threes. And I like the idea of him. I think that this is actually decent personnel for him to get back to doing some playmaking stuff, which was in my mind, the thing that really made him a decent fantasy asset those couple seasons ago. D'Angelo, like I said, D'Angelo Russell, he'll get you assists, but his, he, he comes by his, he makes his money by scoring. He, he's not a playmaker by trade. I, I think that there is a role for James Johnson, whatever, whatever position he's playing on the floor. I think that there's a possibility here that he could get into four, three and a half to four assists a game if he's seeing this type of run. That's pretty. That's not nothing. Even if Carl Anthony Towns comes back, Jordan McLaughlin's the only other point guard on the roster. James Johnson, they they, they could implement him in a Draymond Green type of uh, ish type of role. He has a base. He's basically got like a a poor man's Draymond fantasy game in a lot of ways. So he's definitely interesting, especially as we await this Carl Anthony Towns news. I think he's must add in standard leagues if Carl Anthony Towns is out for any extended period of time. And the, the really interesting guy here is Nas Reed for me, personally. I, I've talked about him before on this podcast. I think he's got a very tantalizing fantasy game. He's shown so far, and he's a high-energy rebounder, steals, blocks, and threes. He's got opportunity for sure here. He was His per-36s are nuts. If he's seen 20 minutes a night, he has value. I think he has value. He really does. I'm, I'm super intrigued by him, only if Carl Anthony Towns misses time. He's less intriguing if Towns is back by the all in the All-Star break, because at that point, he's probably only limited to 15 minutes a night. And even though he could do enough, honestly, he could do enough to, be, to, to give you deep league value, you, you can't trust the guy getting that low amount of playing time. That's like Boban Marjanovic numbers. So I know I spent a lot of time here. We'll wrap it up like this. The pickups, I think, until we know more, if you're baking ads tonight, your priorities should go Malik Beasley 1, James Johnson 2, Nas Reed 3, and Juan, Juan, why do I keep calling him Juan? Juancho Hernan Gomez 4. I think that the first three have fantasy stat sets that make sense, and they have roles that will allow them to utilize those stat sets. Nas Reed would be higher if I already knew – if I knew that Carl Anthony Towns was out for, I don't know, say three weeks today, I'd take Nas Reed over James Johnson. Maybe call me a little foolish for that. He's an undrafted rookie, but he's the only center on the roster. There are going to be times where they're going to have to deploy him, and he can get you fantasy value in 20 minutes. James Johnson is a little bit more of an older asset who has had a shaky couple of seasons – even though he, in that scenario with Towns out, I do think that he'd be worth owning as well. But I like Nas Reed for the upside more. So, again, Beasley, obvious number one. James Johnson, two. Nas Reed, three. And Wancho, four. I think that Nas Reed becomes a must-add if Carl Anthony Towns is sidelined for a while. Beasley and James Johnson, though, are the two safest ads to make. Okay, Sacramento in Dallas. We'll move along here for our last four games. Dallas won this one, 130-111. to They have um, – I actually don't know what the season series is on this one. I did not write that one down. 
Damn. <laughs> I was so close. Buddy Heald. We'll start with Buddy Heald. He scored 22 points on 8 of 21 shooting off the bench, led the scoring charge for the Kings. Uh, 31 minutes played. Four three-pointers, nine assists, a rebound, and a steal. This is, I guess, just a permanent situation um, for Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is the starter. He scored six points, had four rebounds, two assists, no defensive stats, and a three-pointer in 23 minutes. De'Aaron Fox scored 16 points with three rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block on five of 16 shooting, six of eight from the line. Corey Joseph was in the starting lineup in this one, and I i got to be honest, I'm not sure. I guess they, well, well, yeah, okay. So the Kings went small, I guess, to counter the Mavs, who, oh, I guess they just wanted to go against the the Mavs, who just did not, have not been deferring to their bigs for the most part. It's just been a Kristaps Porzingis big man situation with a little bit of Maxi Kleba here and there. So Joseph got the start, probably a shooting guard here, nine points, three rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. I am not interested in him starting. I'm not interested in him if he's playing 35 minutes a game. He is not a fantasy guy. Harrison Barnes is another guy who's not a fantasy guy who had a really nice game in his last one, but predictably fell back down to earth in this one. Six points on two of seven shooting, four rebounds, seven assists. Sorry, seven rebounds, four assists, no defensive stats. No, thank you. Nalancia Bielica had 10 points on three of eight shooting with two three-pointers, seven rebounds, and nothing much else. This is a pretty rough night uh, fantasy-wise for the Kings, but Bielica obviously is a guy who should be owned in every setting. He already is. I, I don't know. You know. He shouldn't be on any wires. The injury situation with Marvin Bagley and Rashawn Holmes is not good. And though Holmes is worth holding on to for when the playoffs come around, he Bielitsa is just he's he's cemented himself into a mid to early round type player on the year. And I'm dropping Marvin Bagley, by the way. He hasn't done enough to prove that he's actually a fantasy good player. Ugh, that was a poorly phrased sentence, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, he he had a nice stretch towards the end of last season where he was averaging a double-double with like a block and a half in his last few games. But he even during that stretch, he was just a top 80 player. He, his free throws percentage is not there. The assists are not really there. The steals aren't there. The threes aren't there. There's not enough there. When he was healthy, he hasn't been healthy all year. And he expressed in an interview recently, he, when, when asked if he was anticipating coming back, he wasn't able to give a definitive answer. That should tell you everything you need to know. He's a young dude in his second season, and he wasn't able to say, yeah, I'm coming back. He said, I don't know. He wants to, but he doesn't know. That tells me everything I need to know. He is not – he's just not going to help your team. I, I'm not stashing him. Uh, I'm leaving him on the wire. To the Mavs side of things, and I also have uh, have a lot of curt responses to a lot of Mavs-related fantasy questions, as I did with the Kings, um, which we'll get to in a second here. Luka Doncic returned from, uh, I think it was like, what, six games? Six or seven game absence with his uh, ankle injury, 33 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 10 of 18 shooting with three three three-pointers, and 10 of 12 from the line. Welcome back, Luka. Jalen Brunson stayed in the starting lineup for some reason, but didn't do all that much. He only played 14 minutes. Five points, two assists, nothing else. He's a safe, firm drop in every setting. Chris Tapps-Perzingis continues to play really well. 27 points on 11 of 16 shooting. Two three-pointers, 13 rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. I assume this has everything to do with the Kings not having a, a reasonable guy to throw at uh, 
at the Mavs. Their their small ball lineup did not work in this one. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith was very quiet. Five points in 22 minutes on two of four shooting. Six rebounds, an assist, and a block shot. Uh, not interested. Haven't been interested all year. Just not enough there. Tim Hardaway Jr. is another guy I'm not interested in, and we all know the deal with him. 19 points on seven of 14 shooting. Five three-pointers, three rebounds, six assists, and a steal. Two inconsistent. The only guy that's worth talking about, well, I, I guess I'll mention this line too. Seth Curry played 34 minutes on 7 of 10 shooting, probably to match up with the small lineups that the Kings were rolling out there. And he was good, 18 points, three rebounds, and six assists on three of three from the three-point line. And nothing, much ado about nothing there. Maxi Kleba is the only guy that have been somewhat interested in, but he has been fading. Um, of late, he only saw 19 minutes in this game, took five shots, scored six points, had a rebound and two block shots. He's basically a block specialist at this point with nothing else. We know that he has a very fantasy friendly game when given the playing time, but uh, I, I, I've been, I, you know, I do the pickups articles for hoop ball on the website for the premium side. I do about two a week and I, 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 I write about the Mavericks pretty much every night. I've been covering this team all year, and I can't stand any of their fantasy options. Rick Carlisle is a fantastic coach, but he is a horrible fantasy guy. He he does not like the fantasy community. Very Eric Spolstra in that respect. Those two, two really good coaches, hate, <laughs> absolutely hate fantasy teams. There's nothing consistent about these rotations to make me trust any role player, any player that's not Luka Doncic or Kristaps Porzingis for this team. The minutes are inconsistent. The roles differ and change. Delon Wright is a guy who he, he, he has the fantasy stat set that we all like, but his role has been anything but consistent all year long. And even when he has had a consistent role of late, he's done nothing with it. I'm not, I mean, I, I guess I should mention his stat line tonight, 26 minutes, one of five shooting from the floor, six points, four rebounds, four assists, and a block shot and a three-pointer. That's fine. I'm not adding him. I don't think you are either. I might. This argument is probably one that has already been spoken to death enough, and I don't even need to say it. But yes, there's no Mavericks on this team that I care about outside the two stars. Next game, Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. The Suns win this one 112-106. to They lead the season series 2-1 to over the Warriors. We have to start, of course, with Marquise Chris, who has become, I mean, I, I know at the top of the show, I said that Christian Wood was the biggest winner of the deadline. He might be 1A to Marquise Chris being 1B, because Chris, with all these other you know, warriors being shipped out of town, he is completely uncontested to the starting center role, and he is lighting the world on fire. 31 minutes in this game, 7 of 11 from the, full, uh, the field, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 block shots. Four or six from the line. He has been uh, playing inside the top 30 in February. Yeah, I believe that's six or seven games. That's crazy stuff. He's basically he's basically playing like Mitchell Robinson, who isn't in foul trouble and has a three-point shot. <laughs> that's an insane comparison I just made, but it's not inaccurate. He's really look he looks like a totally different player. I actually watched him the other night. Uh, I caught the ABC game where he put up 20 points in the first half. That's some confidence right there that he never, ever showed in Phoenix. 
actually just dawned on me as I'm speaking about him right now that this is sort of a revenge game for him. And he absolutely played his butt off here. Huge trade deadline winner. Super happy that he's on my team in a very competitive league. Um, Mitchell Robinson won me the championship last season. And Marquise Chris could very well be that guy for me this year. He's that good, guys. Congrats if you were able to get him before this all really started heating up for him. Andrew Wiggins is starting to look pretty good, too, and uh, fitting in with the Warriors system. 27 points on 9 of 14 shooting. 3 of 4 from 3-point land. 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 4 block shots. Really good stuff out of him. Draymond Green was, you know, pretty much what we expect out of him at this stage with this team right now. 6 points on 2 of 5 shooting. 6 rebounds, 9 assists, and a steal. Jordan Poole got the start at point guard, He, but really, I mean, I think the point guard duties were split between Draymond and Andrew Wiggins in this one. But Poole's been coming on recently. I think he's impressed the, the coaching staff with his decent play of late. 12 points on 4 of 12 shooting, two, two, two three-pointers, three rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Um, not a fantasy guy in any format, but he is going to, I think he is going to be soaking up a lot of minutes moving forward here. At the expense of Kai Bowman in particular who only saw four minutes off the bench. And I, I was saying this too, that I always thought that Bowman had a lot more to worry about with Draymond Green than he did with uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Because Draymond, like I mentioned with D'Angelo when we're talking about the, the, the Wolves, he plays point guard, but the point guard for this team was always Draymond. He's the playmaker. That's still the case. And Bowman doesn't have that avenue. And for whatever reason, uh, Jeremy Pargo, this 33-year-old Jeremy Pargo, who hasn't played in the NBA since 2013, has a contract and played 20 minutes over him in this game. For the record, 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting, two assists and a rebound for Pargo. So that's the nail in the coffin for Kai Bowman. He, he's a drop for any team that had picked him up. And then uh, Eric Pascal. 27 minutes, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, no defensive stats, and I don't have a lot more to say about that. He's fine. Oh, and uh, Damian Lee, 10 points on 4 of 10 shooting, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 steals. He's going to have a decent enough role the rest of the way, unless, of course, Steph Curry comes back. He'll probably... If Curry comes back into the fold, um, pretty much all of these... Got these no-name Warriors guys outside of Marquise Chris are going to lose all their value. So keep your eye on that because, I mean, look, guys, he's targeting a March 1st return. We're about to take a week off with the All-Star break. We're talking maybe five more games before that potential Curry return happens. So ride Damian Lee while you can. But if that Curry return does happen, Lee's going to lose pretty much all his value, I believe. Sun side of things, DeAndre Ayton missed his second straight game with an ankle injury. Anyone's guess how long he's out. Any indication as to how worried the Suns are about that? They signed Jonah Bolden, who was just cut by the Sixers, to a 10-day contract. So, uh, yeah. Of course, they're also missing Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky for indefinite periods of time. So do with that as you will. Devin Booker, 27 points in 37 minutes on 8 of 22 shooting. Two three-pointers, 9 of 9 from the line. Five rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and a block shot. With Damian Lillard missing All-Star Weekend, it seems pretty much like a foregone conclusion that Booker is going to make his first All-Star game. So congrats to him for that. I'm sure he's still got a, a fire lit under his ass because being an injury replacement is not exactly the same thing. 
you still have the snub vibe going on there. Kelly Oubre Jr. was eh in this game. 15 points on 5 of 16 shooting, 3 three-pointers, 6 rebounds, and nothing else of note. McCall Bridges continues to play really well now that he's got this locked down 30-minute roll. 14 points, 2 rebounds, an assist, 3 steals, a block, and 2 three-pointers. Uh, Ricky Rubio... He, he's looking. He's been looking better as of late. Uh, he's really struggled over the last month, uh, I think, playing through some ankle injuries. So this break is definitely going to help him a good deal. Nine points on four of eight shooting, nine assists, five rebounds, two steals, and five turnovers. Serviceable stuff there. And that's about it. Suns are a boring fantasy team. They're, uh, no, I'm not interested in adding Jonah Bolden. He's on a 10-day contract. He's really just there so that the Suns don't get clobbered on the inside. On a given night, uh, uh, every given night. So, we have two more games to get to here. And, all right, and away we go. Miami Heat and the Utah Jazz. Miami loses this one in Utah, 101. Jazz, 116. They split the season series, 1-1. and We'll start with Jimmy Butler, who's working his way back from that shoulder injury that he missed a couple of games with. 25 points on 10 of 21 shooting, 8 rebounds, an assist, and uh, that was kind of it. Four turnovers as well. Derek Jones Jr. uh, stayed in the starting lineup but didn't do anything. 24 minutes, no shot attempts, which is weird. Two rebounds, two steals, and a block shot. He looked like he was in a a good deal of foul trouble in this game, but the no shots is pretty surprising. Absolutely zero offensive out, uh, impact out there. Duncan Robinson put up an incredibly Duncan Robinson-like nine. Six of 13 from the floor. Six of 13 from three-point land. 18 points, three assists, a rebound, and a steal. He slumped pretty hard uh, over January, but he's definitely been picking things back up uh, over his last handful of ball games. Uh, been a really nice three-point shooter on this season. The best three-point specialist in uh, in fantasy hoops, if I might add. By that, I mean, like, of guys that really hold... <laughs> they are only really good at shooting threes. I'm not saying he's the best three-point shooter, though there's an argument to be made that he's among the best this year, based off the efficiency. Names that we're really watching this one uh, were new additions, Jay Crowder and, Gore, uh, and Andre Iguodala, where their roles would be with Butler around. Uh, Crowder, in 25 minutes off the bench, still played decent. 15 points, three rebounds, an assist, in a steal, and three three-pointers. A pretty far cry from the two games that he started out his career with the Heat uh, with. But, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like this isn't a decent line. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. being in foul trouble definitely helps contribute to him getting this uh, level of work. He... I, I'm, my, I'm not confident because I've mentioned so many times before that Eric Spolstra, I, I just mentioned with the, my, my Mavs, t- uh, going over the Mavs, that these ro- Spolstra rotations can change on a whim. And it, he's never had a roster that is easier to do that with, with all these very switchable, interchangeable forwards. Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., um, Andre Iguodala, Kelly Olynyk. Solomon Hill, who didn't play, but you get the deal. Jimmy Butler, all these guys are relatively the same type of player in terms of their size and their skill sets. So the minutes can very easily be taken here and there. Crowder's fine to play right now. I think that there are a lot more interesting guys out there 
and a lot safer guys out there that you could be making ads on. But I mean, he's had his first three games in Miami could not have gone any better. So he's at least worth our attention. Andre Iguodala still saw 24 minutes in this game and scored nine points on three of six shooting, three three-pointers, five rebounds, two assists, and no defensive stats. He is not a fantasy guy. I mean, okay, I'll dial it back. He has some deep league appeal as a playmaker, as a guy who can get you a steal and a three here and there. He's not a standard league guy. I don't think anyone's thinking of him as such either. And, yeah, that's fine. He shouldn't be. And I didn't mention uh, Bam Adebayo's stat line. Looks like he met Rudy Gobert pretty affirmatively in this one. Four of ten shooting from the floor, nine points, 11 rebounds, five assists, four steals, and two blocked shots. All accounts, a really, really nice line. Um, But, yeah, uh, he was not able to get his shot going against the Stifle Tower, who we will lead off our jazz side of things here. He had 16 points. 20 rebounds on 7 of 12 shooting with two block shots and an assist. Um, yeah, he's been fine. No Mike Conley in this one. I believe this was a rest day, if I'm not mistaken. It might be an illness-related thing, too. It could be both. But Mike Conley, who has been playing really well lately, did not play, which means that Joe Ingles got to be the point guard again. And, you know, he's been interesting. In, in all the wrong ways, but interesting nonetheless. One of nine shooting from – this is Joe Ingles, his stat line, by the way. In 32 minutes, he shot one of nine from the floor, four points, nine assists, two rebounds, and a steal. And no three-pointers. His shot is just so gone. And it, it was sort of going that direction before Conley came back. And for whatever reason, it's still the case with Conley out. It's not all – Conley's return is not the only reason why Joe Ingles is struggling. I don't know what the full picture is, but it's just – I just don't think that we – is he playing hurt? Is something off of his shooting mechanics? I don't know. His shot's been way, way off. And it's not all just explained by Conley's return. Not a standard league guy, even when Conley sits at this point. Bohan Bogdanovich continues to play really well. 22 points on 9 of 17 shooting, 3 three-pointers, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and not much else. Donovan Mitchell uh, led the team in scoring with 26 points on 9 of 16 shooting, 4 three-pointers, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. And Jordan Clarkson continues his really, really hot run off the bench with 21 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 4 three-pointers, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. He's fine while he's hot, but he's just a point specialist. And that's about that. Okay. Final game on the night. The Los Angeles Lakers beating the Denver Nuggets in overtime. 120 to 116. They now lead the season, the season series 2 to 1. This is a pretty easy fantasy team to take part. It's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's it. Davis, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, and 3 three-pointers. The best player in the NBA type stuff, at least from a fantasy perspective. LeBron James triple-doubled with 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, no defensive stats, and a three-pointer on 15 of 29 shooting. And uh, Dwight Howard played really well off the bench. Brutal podcast uh, that came out about him earlier this week from Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo. Worth a listen. I, I, I find Dwight uh, Dwight's career to be pretty fascinating. I don't think that they give... They're definitely not nice to him 
but it is interesting. I don't think it's all totally off base either. I think they touched on a lot of why Dwight Howard's been such a polarizing player. But he's, by all accounts, had a really, really good season with the Lakers, both from a public relations standpoint and both from a team, just from a team role standpoint. I think that he fits with the team really well right now. And he played well tonight. 14 points, 11 rebounds, two assists on four of six shooting from the floor. Four turnovers and no defensive stats. Missed half of his free throws. It's, it's Dwight Howard's stuff. If only he blocked a shot or two. Um, yeah, there's nothing else talking about this Lakers team. I know I'm sort of rushing through the last games here, but honestly, I really have lucked out in that there's not a lot to talk about with the Lakers or the Mavericks or the Suns or the Kings or the Jazz. None of these teams are fantasy are, are very interesting from a fantasy perspective. And the Lakers in particular, they do not have a lot of interesting lines in this box score. The Nuggets are a re- relatively interesting team, though. We'll start with Jamal Murray, who led the scoring charge in this one. 32 points on 13 of 25 shots. Three three-pointers, three rebounds, 10 assists, and nothing else there. Nikola Jokic, 9 of 18 from the floor, en route to 22 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, a block shot, and two three-pointers. In terms of fantasy, he might be the hottest player in the NBA right now. He's been tremendous. A far cry from the out-of-shape-looking top 40 player that he was to start the season. He has been an, uh, he's been a top six player over his last two months, which is right around where, which is right where he was drafted. So and just keep, you, it's always worth keeping in mind, Nikola Jokic starts slow. <laughs> but boy, when he gets it going, he gets it going. Elsewhere here, Gary Harris had a decent shooting game, um, 13 points on 5 of 12 shooting, one rebound, one assist, one steal. His fantasy game is all but evaporated, but he's going to continue seeing minutes because of his real-life defensive ability. Jeremy Grant uh, continues to start over Paul Millsap, who just recently returned from a lengthy absence, and he was good, 15 points, 7 rebounds, an assist, and a steal, and a three-pointer on 6 of 12 shooting. I am not convinced that he's going to hold off Millsap forever. And I think we saw this when Millsap was starting over him before. Jeremy Grant does not have a lot of fantasy value when he's not seeing a 30-minute roll. So um, I've advocated some drops here and there, and I still stand by those. But he's obviously playing. As long as he's starting, he's got enough value to, to hold on, to be worth hanging on to. Millsap, to his credit, in 20 minutes, put up a pretty productive fantasy line. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Two of five shooting from the floor in a three-pointer. I'll admit this. I have not considered the possibility that Denver just, just decides to, like, hey, Millsap's been hurt all year long. He's old. He's useful to our team. It's not the cra- And Jeremy Grant is the power forward of the future for this squad. Maybe Millsap's more amenable to playing off the bench than he might have been to start the year. Maybe it makes sense to rest him. That would produce a fantasy situation that isn't terrible for either of those guys. Millsap obviously uh, wouldn't be all that appealing in fantasy circles, but you know that would be um, in that in that sort of scenario. But he would still have some low end value, and Jeremy Grant would hold on to a lot of his value if he were able to start and see thirty minutes on a nightly basis. So keeping our eyes on that one. Also, you know, uh, I'm. I still like Michael Porter Jr. a lot, and if he can stay healthy, I think he has a role to play with this team, but that's a conversation for a different day. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. 
Monte Morris played 25 minutes off the bench, was fine. 12 points, four assists, two steals, two rebounds, and a three-pointer. Um, some of these new nuggets are, are getting into the mix here, but aren't doing much. Uh, Jordan McRae, for you know, for what's worth, uh, his days are obviously gone from being a fantasy asset. He only played eight minutes in this game and had an assist. And Noah Vonley played 12 minutes and scored four points with four rebounds. All right. <laughs> that's that's a, an interesting way to end the show, isn't it? That's pretty much it. Uh, the Nuggets side of things. I'm keeping my eye on Michael Porter Jr. for when he comes back and how he works his way into these rotations. Will Barton obviously is also still out with his knee issue, so uh, he's probably going to take a lot of the minutes that Torrey Craig saw, who saw 30 minutes in the starting lineup, but he didn't do enough. Not enough for me to talk about. Yeah, so that's the show, guys. I I got to say, I paced myself better, at least from uh, <laughs> in terms of not running out of breath. show might have run a little long here, but yeah, what am, what am I going to do? It's, it's 22 teams to go over. If you guys like the show, please let me know on Twitter at Alan Srochi, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. The link will be, uh, my profile will be linked to the post on Twitter. Uh, reach out to me for, if you guys ever have any Twitter, any fantasy-related questions, I love answering them. I am usually a lot better about doing this, but I like, I do these watch lists, daily watch lists for the teams that go up and play. Tell you guys well all, all the things that I'm looking for. Very similar to my analysis that I give here. A lot of the thoughts that I've talked about on here you can find on Twitter. And yeah, subscribe to the show. If you made it all the way to the end, throw me a comment. Uh, I don't know. Let's say tree trunk. Just tweet at me, tree trunk. If you listen to the show, I'd love to hear from you guys. I love doing these, and I hope that you guys enjoy the All Star break. I will catch you next Wednesday. We're here from Hoop Ball for the Box Score Breakdown. I'm Alex Rowley. Have a great night, everyone. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.